Go with me to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5. You are so artistic. That's a gift I do not have. No, it's okay. So we'll start in verse 22. We're going to read a decent chunk of scripture and then we'll just dive into some thoughts tonight. Um, We want to talk about two sets of three. Uh, As a good public speaker, I think in sets of three, right? So um, we're going to talk about the three things, the three components that every relationship has, whether the relationship is healthy or not. So every relationship has these three components. And then we're going to talk about the three things that you use to build a firm foundation for a relationship. All right? So, Ephesians 5, let's jump 22 through 33. All right? Wives, be subject to your husbands as a service to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, also wives should be subject to their husbands in everything, respecting the position as protector and the responsibility God has had the house. Now let me explain that. That scripture has been used for years by men to say that women are inferior. That is not what it is saying. All right? We're going to teach on that. Uh, Brittany, uh, in a couple weeks actually, we're going to do a session where I speak to the girls and Brittany's going to speak to the guys. And Brittany and I are going to kind of break down this chunk of scripture in context and explain the role guy to girl relationship. But um, verse 25, husbands, love your wives. Seek the highest good for her and surround her with a caring and unselfish love. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify the church, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word of God. Verse 27, so that in turn he might present the church to himself in glorious splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and set apart for God and blameless. Verse 28, even so husbands should and morally are morally obligated to love their own wives as being in a sense their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own body, but instead nourished and protect and cherished it just as Christ does the church. Because we are parts of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother, and the two shall be joined and fully devoted to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery of two becoming one is great, but I am speaking with reference to the relationship of Christ and the church. However, each man among you is to love his wife as his own self, with behavior worthy of respect and esteem, always seeking the best for her, with an attitude of loving kindness. And the wife must see to it that she respects and delights in her husband, that she notices him and prefers him and treats him with loving concern, treasuring him, honoring him, and holding him dear. So I want to talk tonight just real quick around the thought, this is how it lasts. This is how it lasts. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you that even as culture and the world is saying marriage is archaic and it's old and you don't need it to build a lasting relationship. God, I pray as we look at some precepts, some tenets of your word tonight, that we would come and understand your intention for marriage and that we would become focused on becoming the type of people that can enter into relationships that build healthy marriages. And we thank you, God, that you present a way that we can build something that stands the test of time. 
that when we say for better or for worse, for rich or poor, that we really mean it. And we are committed to the end. We thank you we can build that with you in your name. Amen. So like Brit- Brittany and I have been married for uh, almost two years now. May 2nd is two years. And I know that because I have a calendar reminder in my phone that pops up a couple weeks before our anniversary. I was smart and used technology, right? Um, she also made sure that she had our anniversary engraved on the inside of my ring, which is super helpful as well. Um, but it's, it's interesting entering into marriage how healthy I thought I was in relationship. Like how good of a person I thought I was. And it is amazing when you live with someone all the time how you realize you are actually extremely selfish. And, and how much you are used to getting your way and doing what you want to do and making life happen the way you want it to happen. And, and I was really thankful for pre-marriage counseling that we had with our senior pastor, your pastor Steve, because it pointed out some roadblocks for me in some of the areas that we're going to talk about that I didn't even realize were there because I had never had to think about it because I had never been married before. And so these are some things we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks that whether you are single or you're in a relationship, maybe you're married already, and you, you are realizing that, man, there is still work to be done. And I'm realizing the best marriages and the ones that Brittany and I admire and the people that we really want to build a marriage like are constantly reevaluating and looking at and developing their relationship. So marriage, I hope you guys understand, marriage is not the finish line. Marriage is not like, hey, we made it, hands off, I'm done, life is good. Marriage is the beginning of a whole nother season of hard work. And I realized that as we were in pre-marriage counseling. So I want to talk about the three things that every relationship has. And then the three things that build healthy relationships. So the three things every relationship has. Write these down. Every relationship has a component of intimacy, a component of commitment, and a component of passion. Intimacy, commitment, and passion. Intimacy, commitment, and passion. I always spell commitment with like three too many T's. So I'm not going to try to spell it on the board today. But this is the analogy that I am going to use. If, if, if we're looking at intimacy, commitment, and passion, they are in essence the triangle that makes up your relationship. You may, in your relationship, you may be high on intimacy and high on passion Low on commitment. We call that a Tinder date, right? You may, you you may, you, yeah, swipe right. Yeah, you may be, which by the way, I think, never mind, I'll get off, I'll get on a high horse later. I was going to go off on a thing about Tinder. It, it frustrates the heck out of me that our generation equates swiping right with the beginning of a relationship and then get frustrated when relationships don't last. Because there is no investment on the front end. So, don't get me started. I'm just, I get frustrated. But, sorry Timmy and Divine. But, um, but, you could be, you could be high on commitment and low on intimacy and passion and I would call that a boring marriage. Right? Or a boring relationship. These are, these three things need to be thriving or at least being worked on to become healthy so you can build a relationship that is full of zeal and passion and is fun. The goal is not to get married and then be lame. Like, that's not the goal. 
The goal is to develop a relationship that helps enhance and fulfill and grow your life, right? So intimacy, let's break this down. Intimacy, there's a couple key components to it. Intimacy you build through shared interest and then trust, all right? Shared interest and trust. What do I mean by that? So Brittany and I, um, I am a musician. Some of you guys don't know that. I play like seven instruments. And um, I was a honors jazz bass player in high school. And actually my involvement, like what got me excited about serving in church was not speaking or leading. It was music. Like I love playing the bass. Like it is by far one of my favorite things. If you come on Sunday, like once a year, I get to play bass and I like enjoy it. I play Palm Sunday every year. And I, and I, and then I play it summer camp and I like play it invite night sometimes. I'm like excited thinking about it. I just love music. Like absolutely love music. Brittany is a vocal major, graduated from Northwest, and we just both love music. And so when we started getting to know each other, the shared interest we had was music. And we would absolutely freak out about, have you heard this band? Oh my gosh, they're incredible. You heard that drummer? Have you heard this? Heard that? So our first, like, unchaperoned date was to a, was to a uh, 21 Pilots concert. Our first, no, we didn't have chaperones. Our first date was to a 21 Pilots concert. And we're sitting there freaking out in the balcony at the Neptune in downtown Seattle in the U District because the drummer was playing this paradiddle and she was like the only person in my world that knew what a paradiddle was. And I'm just freaking out about it. That is shared interest. The problem is some of us define shared interest as like, you breathe? I breathe too. Oh my gosh. You like food? I have to eat to live. You wear clothes? So do I sometimes, but we're excited. This is great, right? Shared interest is not what makes you human. Please understand this. Please, I want, I want to make, I want to make a line in the sand. Shared interest is not caring for other people. There are too many millennials that view charity as a shared interest. And we get united around the fact that, oh, you care for people, I care for people. Well, I hope you're a decent human, that's what you're supposed to do. Right? Shared interest is, this thing makes me weird, but you're weird in that way too, and so we both geek out over it, like a little too much. And so, like, I've met people that, like, photography is their thing. And they, like, go for hikes to the top of mountains, and they take pictures. And it's like, that's really cool for you, bro, but I'd rather look at it on someone else's feed. You know what I mean? Like, that's not my thing. But Brittany and I's thing, man, it is music, and we love it. Absolutely love music. We love, cook, like, we enjoy food. like, And not like, hey, we both eat, but like, oh my gosh, let's go pay way too much money for a meal because I heard this is really weird. Right? Like, we're foodies. We love it. Um, we love church. Absolutely love church. We will go out of our way. Like, when we were in L.A., we took an entire day and visited all these different churches because we love church. It's a shared interest for us. <laughs> Intimacy is built not on, okay, you're a human, I'm a human, we both like human things, so therefore shared interest, right? Shared interest is built on, this makes me uniquely me, and it makes you uniquely you, but we share an interest in that. And that is where you begin to develop Intimacy. The second one is trust. And again, there's more components to this, but the second major contributor to intimacy is trust. And you build trust through these shared experiences and going deep with people. And we're going to talk a little bit later about how to guard your heart in these areas, but you cannot develop intimacy without openness. 
And there are some of us where the intimacy part of our triangle is very short and we can't figure out why we don't trust each other. It's because we have not been able to open up. And we'll say things like, I have commitment issues. No, you have an intimacy issue. It's not a commitment issue, it's an intimacy issue. It is your ability and willingness to open up to the other person. Now, that being said, opening up to someone else has to be built on trust. So if you do not trust the other person, you should ask the question, will this part of the triangle of our... Because remember, it will be there. Whether it is short and out of balance, or whether it's thriving and a healthy contributor to your relationship. You have to ask the question, Will I? do I see myself being open with this person? Because if you do not, your relationship will struggle with trust. And we have people entering into relationships saying, oh, they will develop into someone I trust. And can I just tell you, trust, being trustworthy, being full of character, that is something that person should have on lockdown well before they ever date you. To many of us, see, and this is where we get in trouble, we want them to become the type of person that we can trust. And then we get offended that we're not enough for them to change. If, if developing and being full of character and following God and being trustworthy is not something inherent in them and something they want to do, you will not be enough for them. So really, we set ourselves up to be hurt when we enter into a relationship with someone who is not trustworthy. And I, I, I love, like, I'll, I'll meet with guys who are dating, and are like, dude, my girlfriend never lets me do anything. And they, they make it a girl issue. And my, I am learning to ask the question, what have you done that makes them feel like they can't trust you? Because, like we just read in Ephesians 5, if we get this all-consuming love, guys, towards girls, if we get this love thing down, Girls, if we get this respect thing down back towards the guys, then trust inherently begins to build. That is intimacy. Second one is commitment, all right? Second component of the triangle is commitment. And commitment is the till death do we part component of relationships, right? Now, you can be full of commitment and still have a boring marriage. You can be full of commitment and still be unhealthy. To be honest, there's some of us who have been in relationships for way too long because we were really solid on commitment, but we're trying to build a relationship with people we couldn't develop intimacy with, right? Like, I've been there. I I am loyal to my core, and I've had friendships and dating relationships where I held on way too long because I was just really committed. So commitment is not just to death do we part. Commitment is this. I am committed to developing and building the best relationship possible. So commitment is not stagnant. Commitment is proactive. Commitment is saying that I am in this not just because I'm in it. I'm in it because I want to build life in an excellent relationship and marriage with you. And this is where I get off the bus on saying that marriage is not important. And, and I, I've been asked that question before. Ed, why do you believe in marriage so much? And there's, there's biblical reasons, and then there's worldview reasons, but I think there's practical reasons as well. I think culture has got us to believe, has, is trying to get us to believe that you can be committed without being committed. 
that you can say, no, I'm not going anywhere, but there's always a back door out. And culture looks at commitment as stagnant, not proactive. Right? Well, I'm committed to you. And we want to drop it and leave it there. Commitment puts skin in the game and says, I am in this to win this, and we're going to build the best thing possible. And commitment is proactive, not just stagnant. And then passion. So we have intimacy. It's commitment. We have passion. Passion is not just sex. All right? And I I, want to pause just for a moment when it comes to this, and I don't want to gloss it over because sex is an important part of marriage, right? And I, I, like, I've been doing church my whole life. I was saved at like the age of three. And I can sum up how the church has handled this category, sex, in one word. Don't, right? We, we, from a young age, if we were raised in church, were taught that sex before marriage is bad. Don't, right? Doing sex in certain, like, that's bad. Don't, 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 don't. And then we wonder why marriages in churches struggle in the area of passion, right? So... The reason I chose this Ephesians 5 chunk of scripture is because sex in the right place, as described by God, is this amazing picture of true authentic love that we see in what God gave for the church. So sex is not just the act of sex. Sex, in a biblical sense, is the epitome of self-sacrificing love. Sex, in, in the biblical sense is this, I am coming to the table full, having found my purpose and identity and security in God. And I'm not coming into this act to take anything away. I'm coming into this act to give all I am. And we see that paralleled with the way that Jesus gave his life for us. So I hope as we talk about this, and there's a couple more things we're going to talk about in this series that touch on this subject. I hope you realize that our stance is not don't. Our, sa- our stance on sex is do it in light of the beautiful thing it was intended to be. So passion is not just sex. Passion is shared goals. So, this is why you can develop passion in your relationship before you even get married. Because you begin to share goals and visions of what you want to accomplish. And not only that, but you should bring passion to the table when you start dating someone. When Brittany and I started dating, we already had goals. Like, Brittany had already started a business on her own and accomplished. She was full of passion. We, we brought a passion for church. We brought a passion, hopefully, everyone that you date, you bring a passion for Jesus to the table, both of you. You bring a passion for seeing Christ's church established. Those are things that you bring to the table. You bring a passion for growth and self-improvement, right? And then you merge that. And say, hey, I have a passion to grow myself, so we should have a passion to grow as a couple. But I think the greatest area of passion that you can develop while you're dating is accomplishing what you say you will do. And and, and this is where boundaries come in. I want to talk about boundaries for a second. Boundaries for me. Do we see the importance of being physically pure before marriage in the Bible? Absolutely. I was meeting with a young adult one time. And we were bringing out, we're doing pre-marriage counseling. And, and he sat down in my office and said, Ed, the Bible does not say that you should not sleep with someone before you're married. And I was like, not prepared for that, like at all. And then I was like, does it not say it? Did I miss it? Like, did I hold out for no reason? Like, what the heck? <laughs> and I had to like open my Bible. No, it does. No, I remember because I read it. I read it and stood by it, right? So 
The Bible does say, but my favorite thing when we're working with couples on staying pure is leaving the Bible out of it and just getting practical. You want to know why boundaries are important? Boundaries are important because it brings self-discipline into your relationship. Boundaries are important because the decision to stay pure before you're married is the same thing that keeps you on budget once you are. The decision to stay pure before you're married is the same thing that makes sure you're going to train your kids correctly and not skimp on discipline when you have kids. The the same thing that keeps you pure before marriage is the same self-discipline you're going to see in your partner when there's someone flirting with them and you're uncomfortable. It's all self-discipline. It is a common goal, and it is the best way for a faith-filled couple to build passion before marriage. Now, please understand what I'm saying. If you, if you have slept with your significant other before you guys got married, maybe you have a history of that, in no way am I saying that you have missed it up, like it's over, you can't bounce back. That is not what I'm saying. What I am saying is this. It is worth holding on to self-control for the foundation it brings into your marriage. That is what it's worth. And some of us have seen the outworking of this. We know what it's like to have compromised in areas of self-control. And now we're sloppy in other areas of our our relationship because self-control is not at the bottom and is not one of our foundations. Your marriage, to stand the test of time, needs to start with self-control, not grow into self-control once you're married. So boundaries, a couple things about boundaries. Boundaries are proactive, not reactive. Please write that down. Underline it, circle it, start. Boundaries are not, this is not a boundary statement. If we do this, then we will do this. That is not boundaries, that is reaction. Boundaries are, we as a couple have decided that we will not. That is a boundary. Here's some examples for boundaries for Brittany and I. We had a boundary that we would never be alone in a house until it was the house, like until we got married, right? We would never be alone. So that meant on the way back from Red Robin, when we had dinner with her parents, we sat in their driveway until they got home. That's what that meant. Was it uncomfortable? Yeah. Did we think the neighbors were looking at us? Yes. But was I thankful for the self-control we brought into our marriage? Absolutely. For us, it meant when we were on a date, we stayed in public places. So, if we, when I was in Centralia and Brittany was in Covington before I moved up here, and we would meet in Tacoma, we'd go to movie after movie. Why? Because we wanted to be together, but we weren't going to be alone. Because boundaries say, this is what we will do. Right? I'm so thankful we didn't find ourselves in a spot that said we did, and so therefore we won't. So that means some of us need to have awkward conversations like yesterday. Right? And we don't because this is what we do. Unfortunately, we're both Christian, right? And we just assume that the standard is the same. And then we find ourselves in a compromising situation wondering why the standard wasn't the same. Standard wasn't the same because we didn't communicate it. And when you communicate your standard, if you guys are in disagreement... Always settle for the higher standard. Always settle for the higher standard. Why? Because it shows honor and it shows that self-giving, sacrificing love. 
Boundaries are important and it helps us develop healthy passion before we get into marriage. So real quick, here's the three things that are the foundation of every healthy relationship. So in in your relationship, you will have intimacy, you will have commitment, you will have passion. You just have to choose how healthy they are. But here's how you build these things. The first one is this. Healthy relationships are built on time. Time, words, and actions. Let's talk about time. Time together is not the same as quality time together. Let Let me explain what I'm saying. Just because you are with your significant other all the time does not mean you are building a healthy relationship. And I get it. You start dating someone and you're like 24-7, if I'm not working or in school or whatever my obligations are, I am with that person because I like how it feels to be with them. I totally understand that. The problem becomes you will get sick of them at some point. You will. You will reach a point where I should not be around you that much. And also, being around your significant other that much means you're sacrificing the friendships that brought you to that point. And there are way too many young adult couples that start dating and look up a year later and wonder where their friends went. We feel so lonely. We have no friends. And this is the frustrating thing, is then instead of admitting that they just left their friends behind, they start pulling them. We're just in a more mature season. And so we can't really hang out with our single friends anymore. No, you're being a jerk. That's what you're being. You have to make a decision that time is not the same as quality time and that both of you deserve to maintain the friendships that made you who you are to be where you're at. I'm very thankful that Brittany did not sacrifice her friendships. I'm thankful she did not require me to sacrifice mine, right? Quality time is different than just time. Um, Second one, words. Words are important. Words in person are even more important, all right? What you say is important. What you say in person is even more important. You cannot build a relationship that lasts over a social media or digital platform. You can't. You cannot build a relationship that will last over text message. Well, we're long distance. Thank God for FaceTime, right? Your face and your communication is what's going to build a healthy relationship. The reason why texting, messaging, all that will get you in trouble is because the person who's reading it gets to choose your tone. Right? So you could be saying something. This is why I'm so against guys and girls in platonic relationships texting all the time. Because one of them inherently falls in love. And then the other one says, that was never my intent. Well, unfortunately for you, that's how they read it. So now you don't get to pull the, I had no idea. Yeah, you did. You were talking to him a time. No doubt, right? Times words. Now, this is another thing. If your communication style to your significant other is consistently negative, do not be surprised that you don't have a healthy relationship, right? We have to choose to speak positive and affirming words over those we date. Your marriage should be full of affirmation. Now, you can confront and not be negative. You can do iron sharpening iron. You can encourage. You can 
bring up tough conversations, and still be inf- affirming and encouraging, right? Now, actions. Last one. I'm going to fly through these. Actions. You should probably be doing things that makes the other person happy. Actions, right? Now, let me give an example from my life. When Right before we're getting married, Brittany and I are pre-marriage counseling, we're meeting with couples we really admire, and the guys that I admire that are married are saying, hey, man, like, you got to be cleaning those dishes. That's how you're going to show that you care, right? You got to be doing your chores. You got That's how you show you care. So the entire, like, first year of our marriage, the house is clean, and I'm just serving, 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 and Brittany's like, yeah, that's really nice. It's like, what the heck? And I realize that she doesn't, like, it's obvious, it's important. I need to pull my weight. But she's not an acts of service person. She's a quality time person. So I could have left the kitchen dirty and sat next to her on the couch and accomplished what I was trying to do, right? (laughs) Brittany. Brittany to me. Brittany to me. Like, I, I love, like, I, I just thinking love receiving gifts. Like, I just absolutely love it. So, like, Brittany realized that about me. And she'll come home when she goes to Costco from, like, a movie that she knows I really like. I'm, like, on cloud nine for three weeks. We'll watch it nine times. Like, I just absolutely, I love receiving gifts. Like, absolutely love it. But Brittany, that, like, thankfully, that's something she likes to do, right? She likes giving gifts. That really worked out well for me. But for me, for me to Brittany, I love giving gifts because it makes me feel like I'm providing so when we were dating, I was like, anytime we went anywhere, I was always bringing something to the table, bringing something to Brittany. Did it make her feel important? Yes. It was still lost in translation. Your actions towards your significant other needs to be done in the way they receive love, not the way you choose to show love. Does that make sense? If your person that you're dating is quality time, then make sure you hand them your phone when you're on a date. Like that, that, that's one I've learned with Brittany. We'll go on a date, she gets my phone. Why? Because I want her to know I'm here, I'm present, quality time, right? If it's acts of service, clean their car, right? Like, side note, just side note. I, it really frustrates me when guys say, we're not married, so I can't serve her. Open the stinking door. Clean her car. Mow her parents' lawn, Right? Do something that shows that you care. All right, last thing, and we'll be done. And I, I get this has been hyper-practical. I hope it's been helpful. But we get asked this question a lot. How do I guard my heart? How do I guard my heart? You guard your heart by limiting time, words, and actions. You guard your heart by limiting time, words, and actions. If you are not sure about this person yet, and you want to make sure that you can maintain your friendship, right? Because that's the goal, right? She's really awesome. He's really awesome. There may be something there, but if there's not, I want to maintain my friendship. Do not start dating them in your time, words, and actions, and then be surprised that you emotionally are committed at some point. This is why. This is why, like, one of my closest friends through Bible college was a girl. Absolutely. It's like the one time in my life that it's worked out. This is why when guys say, yeah, my best friend is is a girl, I I consistently find myself asking the question, which one of you two is going to have unmet expectation at some point? 
This is why I have a really tough time with, well, she's just helping me get through a tough time in my life. Well, you are now emotionally dating her. So do not be surprised when time, words, and actions start to quickly follow. There is not this world, I want to dispel this myth, there is not this world where a guy and a girl can spend a ton of time together, be affirming with their words and kind in their actions, and one of them not end up getting hurt when it doesn't work out. That world does not exist. And, and I'm sorry, and I'm sure there's going to be ten of you that can say, well, in my world it is. Well, tell me in five years how that worked out. Because at some point, at, at some point, there will be a cost that one of you is wishing you didn't have to pay. How do you guard your heart? You don't emotionally date someone before you're ready to date them. How do you guard your heart? You don't spend tons of time with someone unfiltered and unedited. How do you guard your heart? Don't have no, no conversation is good after like 12, right? 12 a.m. to like 12 a.m. to like 10:30 a.m. is like the devil's playground, right? Like if you're if you're here, here's an example. Here's an example. If you're not trying. If you're not trying to get this person to date you and they're your last text and your first text, there's going to be unmet expectation at some point. That's what I'm trying to say. If you're not trying to date that person and they're the last person you say goodbye to and the first person you say hello to, you have no right to be frustrated when they turn you down. How do you guard your heart? Watch your time, your words, and your actions. So next week, Next week, we're going to walk through a whole nother set of things that are really important in how you date and how you set up a successful relationship. And, and guys, I'm just going to warn you, this stuff's going to be practical, but marriage is practical. Like, honestly, marriage is practical. And there's going to be some components where we're going to look at Scripture and parallel it. I hope you guys understand, Scripture just parallels the practical, right? We see example after example in Scripture of all the stuff that we're talking about. But... The next couple of weeks are going to be really practical, but I hope they're the tools that whether you're dating now or you start dating that help you start on the right foot so you can build something that lasts, right? Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you are in our world in a practical way, that, that you give us your word and you give us scripture and understanding of human behavior so that we can build relationships that stand the test of time. We, we do not want to continue the narrative of our generation that says that marriage isn't cut out for everyone. But we really believe that with your help and with your grace and with your wisdom and with our hard work, we can build a committed marriage full of intimacy and passion that helps change the pattern for those around us who struggle to believe it can be done. I pray that some of us who have a bad picture of marriage, that have a bad picture of relationships, would have a willingness to consider that things could be done different. Willingness to consider that there is a way to build marriage that lasts. We thank you for it. We thank you that you help us in that. Amen. Amen. Amen.